0: And since I bought my 2016 F-150 truck, the list of standard amenities that make a truck feel like a luxury vehicle have only grown. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. Just south and a little to the east of Europe sits the Middle Eastern nation of Syria, a predominantly Muslim country with a population of somewhere around 17 million people. Seven years ago, pre-current civil war, that population was closer to 23 million people. If you're not good at math, uh, that is a huge population drop for only seven years and exactly why there is an international Syrian refugee crisis going on right now. Bordered by Turkey to the north, Iraq to the east, Lebanon, Jordan, and Israel to the south, and the Mediterranean Sea to the west... Syria is a nation that was once part of the Silk Road, a nation rich in culture and history, one of its largest cities, Damascus, maybe the oldest continuously inhabited city in the world with some type of settlement dating all the way back to 9,000 B.C., thousands of years before humans developed the ability to write and record the details of their metropolises. Basically, for as long as humans have walked the earth, uh, some of them have been strolling, maybe skipping, maybe hopping around Damascus. It's referenced several times in the Old Testament in the Bible, even in the book of Genesis, so you know it's old. all right. Everything in Genesis is super fucking old. And like the rest of Syria, it's geographically significant to Muslims, the site of one of the first four caliphates established after the death of the Muslim prophet Muhammad, the guy who hates being drawn into a cartoon like no one has ever hated being drawn into a cartoon before. He who must not be drawn. And since March 2011, Damascus, and the rest of Syria has been embroiled in a terrible and bloody civil war where anywhere from 250,000 to half a million people have died, depending on which news source you choose to trust. Millions more have lost their jobs, homes, and way of life, possibly forever. And since at least 2013, the media has been reporting about a new and influential player in this war, ISIS. Who are they? What do they want? Why has their name become synonymous with evil? What really is going on in Syria? Is ISIS even the worst thing going on over there right now? Does the US have to worry about ISIS crossing the Atlantic? Why did I choose this clusterfuck, sweet mother of God? What can of worms did I just open? How many death threats am I going to get for this shitstorm of a topic for today's episode? Find out all this and more on Time Suck. You're listening to Time Suck. <laughs> Happy Monday, you time-sucker motherfuckers. Downloads, ratings, and subscriptions are up again, so that means I know that more of you have been really sucking this past week. Thank you. Thank you for sharing the suck. A lot, of, uh, a lot of wanting to suck on this upcoming Scientology bonus episode that we're now only about 25 iTunes reviews away from. 400 reviews, and you get a dissection of L. Ron Hubbard's greatest work of fiction. You've been sucking deep, you've been sucking hard, your neck's probably a little sore, a little, a little stiff. These aren't little teaser sucks you've been giving. You've been sucking all the way to the back of your brain. Thanks to Cody Florty for suggesting this topic a while back uh, via email at admin at timesuckpodcast.com. Also thanks to Steven Rock for suggesting uh, Sasquatch last week, and, and I know some of you suggested Nelly. I can't remember who. I apologize. I've been busy sucking on some ISIS this week. While many of you went deep on Sasquatch, Loch Ness Monster, a little bit of Hitler, I can tell when many of you listen midday, which means you're probably blowing off work responsibilities and uh, well played. You know, work and wait when it's time for time suck. Your boss ever gives you shit, you look him or her or it if you work for some kind of asexual robot cyborg situation and you just say, I'll fuck, I'll get it, I'll get to work, I'll get to work when I fucking get to it. Right now, I'm going to keep on sucking. I'm going to keep on sucking. Uh, big thanks to all of you who chose uh, to click that little PayPal donation button at the top of timesuckpodcast.com and contributed to the show this past week. Very generous. Uh, seriously, thank you guys so much. Uh, all donations are going to just hang tight and a little fun to get some new equipment and whatnot. Uh, thanks to all you Time Suckers who have also chosen to click the Amazon button at timesuckpodcast.com. Buy what you were going to buy anyway. Uh, help out the show you know, while doing a little bit of shopping for yourself. Love how much you Time Suckers suck. And now for some really good news. First ever Time Suck t-shirt is here. Ba-ba-ba-ba. Time Suck store is open for business. Click a little button just under that PayPal button called Shop. And you'll be taken to the Time Suck Shopify store. Uh, where the first product awaits. A Heather Gray Bella Tri-Blend Cotton Tee Soft with a Time Suck logo right there on the front. Always and forever will it be the first-generation T-shirt of Time Suck. You can be Time Suck OG getting on the ground floor of this movement of curiosity. And it's a quality shirt. This isn't isn't some stiff-ass, stands-up-on-its-own-carny bullshit tee. You got it at your kid's, you know, school band fundraiser. No, I'm not going to do that to you. My sweet... Bearded Merchman Eric, quality controls, each one before sending it out to you all folded up neatly, nicely placed in your mailbox, maybe placed in your doorstep. For a price, he'll probably even be willing to sneak into your house and force that t-shirt upon you, maybe hold you down, maybe hogtie you, maybe pull that sweet tea over your head, yell suck on that, slap you on the ass, and go about his day. So check that shit out. The more merch you guys buy, the more merch uh, I'm going to create. You want some new designs, some stickers, maybe a, maybe a real live chupacabra branded with the Time Suck logo, like it's part of some kind of whole pack of Time Suck chupacabras? Well, you got to get this t shirt first. I hope you do, and I hope you enjoy it. I hope you wear it, and then I hope you uh, take a picture of yourself wearing it and send it in to me, and I'll put it on Instagram at Dan Cummins Comedy. As long as you're wearing something in addition to the t shirt, that is, you know, cra- crazy Instagram and their puritanical image standards. And hopefully you've noticed that the TimeSuck volume's a little louder now. You asked for it. I delivered it. Okay? As best, as best I can. Hopefully it's good enough. I'm no fucking tech wizard uh, with the current equipment I'm using. This is the loudest suck is going to be uh, without massive volume distortion. So uh, if it's not loud enough still, uh, get some new goddamn speakers. All right? Stop listening to those fucking 1996 Radio Shack speakers. Thanks for the heads up on that. Thanks to the various TimeSuckers who offered their audio tech expertise this past week. And now before... Uh, We get into the meat of today's episode before we explore and expose ISIS, amongst other things. Let's find out why I even went there at all, with some Time Sucker updates. Updates? Get your Time Sucker updates! First update comes from Anduin Vade via Time Suck email, and it's another uh, Thought on the Flat Earth episode, episode 19. Some new perspective, I like it. Uh, Anduin writes, I have thoughts as to why I believe people can become so invested in such dumb fuckery as the flat earth theory or similarly the anti-vaccinators, uh, which I need to do another time talk about, by the way. I know several, several of you have requested an episode about anti-vaccination proponents. Uh, for those younger, say under the age of 21, it's simply because there's an ever-growing desire slash desperation in the world to make one's own way and simultaneously to belong. In these cases, I believe it's, it's more so that these ideas are shoved into their heads while they're still malleable, reinforced in a fanatical, firm fashion. Then, little by little, the thoughts become reinforced habits, and over time, those habits become a lifestyle. Oh, that's, man, that's well, well written, I, and I agree. Uh, and actually, this feeds perfectly into some info about why uh, I think young people join ISIS I'll get into uh, at the end of this podcast. You know, The desire to belong and be accepted by some group is, is a powerful one. Okay, so back to Anduin. And a lifestyle is like a person's religion. Attacking it will force them to spew bile and brimstone, defending the ideas no matter how ridiculous. I suppose that's more so off the uh, hip observation, perhaps almost cliche, but I believe it true nonetheless. And I believe it also. I I think telling somebody what they believe is stupid is basically like telling them that they're stupid. And, uh, you know, I've noticed people generally don't like to be called stupid, Uh, especially, in my observation, if they actually are pretty stupid. Uh, they They tend to just double down, on their uh, infuriatingly ignorant beliefs. Okay, uh, back to Anduin. Another thought on the matter is a lot of these counterculture, co- uh, counter-common-sense ideas inherently stem from a simple human nature of going against the authority, whatever that authority is. I believe the prevalence of such theories as flat Earth are due to an all-time high disapproval in government, in the way society is led and conducted, an all-time high amount of deception, with the invasion of our privacy thanks to the social media age. We've allowed everyone, authority included, exponentially into our lives. Thus, we've garnered more rules, regulations, and laws than ever, more of which are blatantly corrupt. My idea is that flat earth type thinking is a direct result of people feeling incre- increasingly pressured and bossed around by the various stems of authority in their lives. Just like any parent knows, human nature is such that the more you tell a person what to do, the more they will try to rebel. Uh, very true uh, as a parent. Um, I, don't know, I don't know if deception levels are an all-time high. I, I think propaganda has been around in our country and the world in general for a long, long time. I think there's definitely uh, maybe the awareness of propaganda is at an all-time high. Uh, thanks to uh, alternative media sources and the web, people can find out they're being manipulated uh, easier than in the past. Uh, uh, kids do naturally push back. That's that's for sure. Assert their individualism. Uh, I'd like to, you know, if I think my daughter Monroe is going to be amazing at something, I almost don't want to tell her because I know the odds are she, she's not going to want to do it anymore just because I think it's cool. All right, so, so back to wrap up with Anduin. Uh, so what would otherwise be jaw-agape, baffling proclamations in theory now carries whole herds of disgruntled put-upon masses regardless of education and intelligence. Although, as you've stated, I'd be interested to see a study correlation between education-level and flat-earth theorists versus non-theorists because I suspect having less of an education places less of a bullshit meter barrier between yourself and whatever. And I think that what is going on is that people feeling most depressed are having this emotional-slash-psychological reaction, one they cannot temper with rational, educated thought, that as much as they may try to vault uh, evidence for their arguments, on the whole, their theories do not come from a rational place. Keep on sucking, and win. Wow, man. I get so many emails like this, by the way. It blows me away. You guys are so goddamn smart, it actually makes me nervous. It makes me, the more people listen to TimeSec, so like, the more anxious I've been getting, that you're all going to figure out that I'm actually uh, a lot more curious and tenacious than I am intelligent. But uh, maybe that's part of the appeal. I don't know. But it keeps me pushing to raise the bar, man. The more stuff you guys write in, I'm like, man, I, I got I to gotta be at the top of my game, or there's going to be a revolt. Uh, well-written piece, Anduin. Thank you for those thoughts. Uh, yeah, highly intelligent people can believe in highly unintelligent concepts because we're not robots, you know? Not yet. Not yet. Maybe we'll be cyborgs someday. Some robots with some human wieners. Robots with human wieners. That's gonna be a theme song for my new cyborg show called uh, RWH. No, wait, that's not right. R R <laughs> RWHW. Robots with human wieners. Uh, okay. Uh, Andrew and a few other time suckers also gently mentioned that maybe I'm cramming in too many segments. You know, disrupting the narrative. Uh, hearing that uh, initially pissed me off because that's exactly what my wife told me not to do before I did it. Uh, and just like uh, we just were talking about, I rebel. Uh, regarding one segment the fancy pants word of the day I agree it's, it's, it's gone for now uh, I know some of you like it but I do think the episode's subject should be the focus I mean you know uh, I'm doing the little updates I like that kind of uh, serialize the show a little bit include what you guys are thinking and writing but other than that I, I should focus on the fucking story alright this next update takes me all the way back to episode one the lizard Illuminati someday I feel like I'm going to do a second episode about those goddamn space lizards this comes in from Sue Knutson via time suck email Knutson probably K-N-U-D-S-E-N. Probably a, probably a Knutson pronunciation. All right, Knutson. Uh, so I came across a David Icke podcast interview that I just have to share with you. It was three hours, and the guy he was talking to was a true believer. Uh, and by the way, for those of you who haven't heard this uh, Time Suck episode one, David Icke is the proponent of the lizard Illuminati theory. First, let me state that this guy is even more fucked up in the head than you made him out to be. He is also a terrible speaker, and it amazes me that people can even get through his lectures and interviews. I only got through about one hour before I couldn't stand listening anymore. Anyway, I just listened to your Hitler podcast and heard your comparison to Trump. While I agree, I was hoping to ease your mind by letting you know that for the first time in U.S. history, we do not have a lizard as our president. David Icke says he was blown away at the election results because clearly Hillary should have won since the Clinton family are descendants of the lizards. He then droned on about how Trump is bringing up fake news because he does not understand its importance to the lizard people. I got a little confused and kind of zoned out a bit at that point, so I don't really understand exactly what his point was. But he shifted gears and got my attention again when he started talking about politicians doing children sacrifice. Yeah, that is an attention grabber. (laughs) Apparently, when children go missing all around the world, he believes they are actually being taken by people in power, being satanically sacrificed and having their blood (laughs) drank. He says that the Illuminati feeds off the energy of children going through puberty. Oh, and of course, social services are in on it, and that is why children get taken away from their parents for no good reason every day. So hey, maybe Trump will figure all this out and put an end to children abduction since he is not a lizard. Or as Ike said, what is more than likely going to happen is the Illuminati will kill him. Uh Uh-oh. I also didn't realize that he ties in directly to the Flat Earth Society. He believes in the ice wall, but he believes that the other side of that wall is the meaning of life, and that is why the government is actually hiding it from us. (laughs) <laughs> These fucking guys. Oh, and of course, we are in a second dimension. If you look at Russia through Google Earth, you will see a second sun confirming this theory. And last, but I'm sure not least, different races are nothing but an illusion to separate us, so we concern ourselves with something that doesn't matter so that we can be, so, uh, so that we are blind to the world as it truly is. Unfortunately, I will never get back that hour of my life, but I feel uh, better now that I shared what I learned. Keep on sucking. Love the podcast, Sue Knutsen. Ah, oh, Wow. I will keep on sucking, Sue. Holy shit. Trump may be killed because he's not a space lizard, and he can put an end to the satanic sacrifice of pubescent children, so the Illuminati, uh, you know, because <laughs> they're being sacrificed so they can get that sweet pube energy. And and the meaning of life is behind the ice wall. Of course it is. And we're all in some kind of second dimension. So much wonderful crazy. David Icke has to be the most highly functioning paranoid schizophrenic life today. Why satanic sacrifice? Why, why did the lizards have to worship Satan? I, are they satanic space lizards? I thought lizards... Kind of replaced Christian mythology, but apparently it's all wrapped up together and tied to flat earth. Oh, David Icke, you're one of my favorite lunatics ever. You and Manchin, you and Charles Manson, man, should write a book together before he dies. Oh, and for you Trump supporters, for the record, I don't think he's a new Hitler. I just think he shares some dictator-like tendencies. You know, he's used to being the boss, man. He comes from the corporate world, where he's always had it his way. He loves that my way or the highway kind of type of doing business, and I think given the slightest opportunity, he'd become the ultimate boss, the ultimate, uh, the firer, a dictator. You know, if you love the dude, you fucking know I'm right. You know he would strip Congress, the Senate, Supreme Court, and the media of all his power in a second if he could pull it off. All right, one final update. I, I can't get to all of them anymore. I probably won't even get to this many next time. But these, I just love these three so much. Uh, and, uh, but I, do get, I will get back to you. If you haven't uh, heard, heard from me, if you sent me an email, just give me a little time or check your spam folder. I will get back. Uh, this, this last one comes in from Dan Drake, and it sets up today's show. Uh, I have been a fan of yours uh, for years, both as a stand-up and as a talking head on World's Dumbest. Love, time, suck, and genuinely appreciate all the work you do. Well, thank you, Dan Drake. Our problem with you, here, here we go, is that even though as a proud atheist, you're afraid, to criticize Hitler, you're afraid to criticize Islam. You've got a serious bite when it comes to silly old Christianity, but your balls shrivel up and you get quiet about Islam and got quiet about Islam in the Hitler special. You can't honestly believe that in modern times, Christianity is even one-tenth as chaotic, harmful, and downright evil in terms of religious fundamentalism. I'm also an atheist from a state where that is very frowned upon, West Virginia by God, and I know what it's like to stand up against religious fundamentalism and be hated for it. I love the show and listen to every episode, but it pisses me off that you're willing to sink your teeth into religion every chance you get, and the first time you bring up Islam, you just sort of casually dismiss it. I find it cowardly to gut one religion and back off another. Stick to your guns against religious fundamentalism and strive to get people to think for themselves. You're still one of my all-time favorites, and I will listen to the show every week and tell people to listen to it. I like when I disagree with people because I think it's an opportunity to see the world through somebody else's, someone else's eyes. I think you feel the same way, and that's part of why I respect you so much. Uh, you're not afraid to speak your mind and even have an open dialogue about controversial issues. I can't wait for the next episode. Please don't ever ease off the gas, full speed ahead. All right. Well, first off, that email fired me up, Dan. I got it late, late the other night. I was tired. I started thinking, fuck, have I been a coward on my own podcast? Am I that hard on Christianity? And then I calmed down, and I chose to really think about what Dan wrote. And, he, and he's right. I do attack Christian fundamental, fundamentalism a lot, and I'm going to tell you why. My grandpa is a Pentecostal minister, was a Pentecostal minister. He's you know, retired. He still preaches from his, from his, from his computer. Uh, I, I lived next door to a fundamental pastor for years. I was raised in a town full of Christian fundamentalism. And for me, it's, it's personal. Christian fundamentalists are the ones who told me repeatedly growing up that I was going to burn in hell. Told, my, told me my, uh, my grandparents on my mom's side, who aren't religious, that they were going to burn in hell. My great-grandpa John, he was a gentle man, an old Swedish immigrant, who built a beautiful life for his family. Never said a crossword to me. Could get little robins and other little birds to eat out of his hand. He was such a gentle dude. And, uh, but he's going to burn in hell. But the town drunk across the street from my mom's house, who abuses his wife, he's going to heaven. Because he shows up at church here and there when his deadbeat ass is sober. Man, fuck that. My mom and my sister, they're going to burn. You know? I was permanently banned from a, from a local youth group for asking too many rational questions. You know, and a, a lot of the Christians I happened to grow up around just had no use for me being me. And, but... I have to remind myself that I've also known and know many wonderful Christians. Warm, non-judgmental, intelligent, loving, giving people. People who travel to Africa, build homes for the poor. People who adopt babies from impoverished areas of the world, raise them as their own. I have to remind myself that I become, from time to time, the exact type of judgmental asshole I despise. So if I come a little hot here and there on Christians, I do apologize. Uh, Love Thy Neighbor. I always like that one. I should remember it a little more often. It's the organized religious uh, belief system I beefs with. Not every one of it's believers. I hate oppression in all forms. And, and if religion uh, becomes a vehicle for oppression, uh, as it often has throughout history and still does, uh, then I hate that vehicle. And like Dan says, I just want to set you free. You know, I want to set you free from guilt, shame, the right to question your life. You know, if you, you believe Jesus loves you, that's fine. Maybe he does. Maybe he's real. I sure as hell don't know. I haven't been dead. I haven't come back. But know that in my own way, hateful as I can be, I love you too. And my messages actually do come uh, from a loving place. Uh, as far as Islamic fundamentalism goes, I realize that I don't go after it with equal vehemence because of ignorance. It's not cowardice. I just don't know. It's a lack of personal connection. I've never, never personally been mistreated by a Muslim. I've never knowingly had my family uh, judged by a Muslim. I'm a white dude who grew up in Idaho. I haven't fucking known any Muslims. Not really. You know. And I try not to go hard after something I know nothing about. So it's time I learn. It's time we all learn a little something about Islam. Especially radical Islam as it pertains to Syria, uh, it's civil war, it's refugee crisis, and ISIS. So, so thank you for making me think, Dan. I do like it when we disagree. I like how you frame that disagreement, man. That's a, that was that was a perfect template for criticism, man. Start nice, then add the criticism, and end nice. It's beautiful. It's uh, you know opening up some dialogues. One of the main purposes of this podcast. So let's uh, let's take that energy. Let's take this, uh, this, this energy to, to learn something new and get into today's shit. Next time, suckers. I needed that. We all did. ISIS. What is it? You probably all heard the term. ISIS, which of course you know stands for Irish Setter Intercourse Survivors. Basically, ISIS is an international support group for people who have been sexually penetrated by Irish Setters. Survivors, uh, they deal with a lot of guilt and shame. Uh, did, the, did the dog pick them because secretly they wanted to be fucked by a beautiful Irish canine with that red, silky, sexy coat? Is it because they were carrying around a stick of beef jerky in their pocket? I'm kidding. ISIS, as you know, stands for Illegal Sharp Instrument Society. A group of people who have a strong desire to carry around disease-infected needles or who, who want to bring uh, their switchblade to Hawaii for vacation. It's illegal there. Or maybe they want to walk around with a pocket full of Chinese throne starts in Kansas City, Kansas, which you can't do legally there. Okay, for real. ISIS for real this time. It stands for the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria. Uh, It's also been referred to as ISIL, uh, I-S-I-L, the Islamic State of Iraq and the uh, Levant. The the Levant is an ancient geographical term, uh, what Western Europeans used to describe everyone east of Italy in the Mediterranean region. It included land presently occupied by by Egypt, Turkey, uh, Israel, Iraq, Iran, Syria, etc. So if you hear that acronym, uh, now you know. And ISIS is a militant extremist group uh, associated uh, of radical members of the Sunni branch of Islam. Islam, a religion with more than 2 billion followers worldwide, has two main branches, Sunni and Shia. But before we even delve into those branches, what it means for uh, Syria, what it means for ISIS, uh, what even is Islam? Uh, So I could get my head around it, I checked out Islam for Dummies. Seriously. I love the Dummies series of books, website articles for simplifying complex issues. I feel no shame in reading a book with dummies written on the cover. Uh, I do wish uh, they could ma- maybe, maybe not make them all bright yellow. Like a fucking, might as, well, might as well have them just glow or maybe have a strobe light on them just to alert everyone that you're reading a dummy book. You know, they could tone it down a bit, but whatever. Islam defined, though. Let's get into it. Muslims are followers of the prophet Muhammad. Muhammad was a dude living in the city of Mecca, a city in present-day Saudi Arabia. Around, uh, in around 610 AD, the angel Gabriel appeared to Muhammad and started chatting him up. Now, Gabriel, by the way, he, he's, like, he's like God's postmaster. He runs God's Amazon delivery service, or at least he used to. He doesn't show up a lot anymore, but he used to pop in all the time back in the olden days. Uh, the angel uh, Moroni took over for Gabriel to tell Joseph Smith about starting Mormonism in the 19th century. Maybe, maybe Gabriel was tired that day. Maybe he had the day off. Maybe it wasn't his territory. Maybe Gabriel uh, handles like the Middle East, and Moroni handles the, the eastern U.S. Seaboard. seaboard. I don't know. It's very confusing. <laughs> it's almost like it's crazy. But anyway... Gabriel uh, was working a lot back in the day. He spoke to Daniel in the Old Testament of the Bible. He told Mary about Jesus in the New Testament, and, and he showed up in Islam. Well, Gabriel tells Muhammad he's got some big news, like super big. He's like, yo, Muhammad, you are God's guy now. I know a lot of people are real hot on Jesus right now, and he's cool. He's fucking cool. You're cooler. You are God's new and final prophet. And from that moment until Muhammad's death in 632 A.D., Gabriel tells Muhammad a ton of shit. And Muhammad writes it all down, and he creates the Quran, Islam's holy book, Islam's Bible, if you will. And in 622, Muhammad and his small band of followers immigrate from Mecca to the town of Yathrib, uh, which, would, which would become Medina. And the first Muslim colony is born, and it takes off quick. Just like Justin Bieber, after his first album, just bam, it's there, it's not going anywhere. In 630, Muhammad leads the army of his growing Muslim community against Mecca, which submits peacefully, and now his empire has begun to grow in earnest. By the time of Muhammad's death, just two years later, most of Arabia has accepted Islam and become part of the Islamic community. Muhammad is then succeeded by a series of rulers, caliphs, uh, under whom Islam bursts forth as a new major power on the world's cultural scene. In the 7th century, uh, they're, like, they're, like, they're like Hansel and Zoolander, just so hot right now, so hot right now. In less than 100 years, uh, Muslim armies have incorporated most of the lands from the western border regions of northwest India uh, in the east to Spain and in the west into a single empire called a caliphate. Now, a caliphate is a kingdom ruled by a caliph. And a caliph is a Muslim, civil, and religious ruler believed to be a successor of Muhammad. He's kind of like the, like the Muslim pope combined with a medieval king. He's, uh, he's technically the shit. He's a, he's a pope king caliphate dude. And as far as uh, uh, beliefs go... A lot of similar beliefs in Islam to Christianity and Judaism. Islam, Christianity, and Judaism comprise the three major branches of the Abrahamic religions. They all come from the same spiritual source and the teachings of Abraham, one of the first patriarchs of Judaism. Just like Christianity morphed out of Judaism, so did Islam. And Muslims believe, similar to Christianity, amongst many other things, that, uh, you know, God created the world and all that is in it. It's a monotheistic uh, religion, just the same as Christianity. Uh, One shouldn't worship other gods or money or power or oneself. At the end of time, God will judge all people. If a person had fulfilled the divine command, he or she uh, will go to heaven. Uh, God calls upon all people to submit to his will as embodied in his revealed law. In fact, the word Islam means submission. Islam comes from the same root as the word for peace. Uh, Islam is often thought of uh, like as a religion of submission to God. So basically Islam is like Fifty Shades of Grey. We're Muslims. They're the girl who gets tied up, and God is the one who pleasurably whips them or whatever. I don't know. I've never actually watched that movie. Uh, I, ho- I hope that reference, though, brought at least a few of you a smile, because I'm probably going to get some death threat- threats for that one. You know? This episode in general is definitely going gonna, definitely gonna to hurt my Islamic fundamentalist uh, audience base. Actually, actually, this podcast has been downloaded zero times in Syria. Like, like exactly zero. I just checked. i got, I got to boost up those Middle Eastern numbers. This is probably not the episode that's going to do that. But anyway... Uh, there's, that's some of the basic tenets of Islam. And, of course, there's the whole thou shalt not draw a picture of thine prophet Muhammad. Uh, especially a picture of Muhammad with a dick on it. Especially if the dick is near his face. That's extra bad. That's like that's like one of the worst pictures you can draw of Muhammad Muhammad with like a dick uh, touching his mouth. That, that's, that's basically you've drawn yourself a jihad invitation. Actually, fun fact, there is no Islamic law... Uh, ...against drawing Muhammad. Nothing in the Quran strictly bars portrayals of Muhammad. Nada. But the faith, like the Hebrew uh, Bible's Ten Commandments, has long discouraged any graven images. Scholars say uh, to avoid the temptation towards idol worship, which is a big no-no. In some ways, early Muslims were reacting to Christianity. Uh, They believed uh, uh, that believers had been led astray by conceiving of Christ, not as a man, but as a God. Muslims, by the way, believe that Jesus was a prophet. They just don't think he was the son of God or the final prophet. Anyway, they didn't want the same thing to happen to Muhammad. They don't want his picture getting floated floated around, little crosses floating around. You know, it says, uh, the prophet himself was aware that if people saw his face portrayed by people, they would soon start worshipping him, said Akbar Ahmed, who chairs the Islamic Studies Department at American University. That's what he told CNN. He said, uh, so he himself spoke up against such images, saying, I'm just a man. All right. Well, a couple more things about Islam, a couple more questions I had that I thought you may have as well. So why do Muslim women cover themselves up? I've always wondered that. Well, here we go the purpose of hijab uh hijab veiling in islam is primarily to inspire modesty in both men and women women are admonished in the holy quran to cover their heads and to pull their coverings over their bosoms men are instructed in the holy quran to lower their gazes that seems like a, that doesn't seem fucking fair women you you gotta wrap everything up dudes you gotta you gotta look kind of downward uh that's fair right Okay, in chapter 24, verse 32 of the Quran. Allah says, according to the dude who you know, uh, said he had the authority to talk to God on behalf of all humanity through Gabriel, uh, and say to the believing women that they restrain their eyes and guard their private parts, and they display not their beauty and embellishments except that which is apparent thereof, and that they draw their head covers over their bosoms, and they display not their beauty or their embellishment thereof save to their husbands, or to their fathers, or the fathers of their husbands, or their sons, or the sons of their husbands, or their brothers or the sons of their brothers, or the sons of their sisters, or their women, or what their right hand possesses, or or such of male attendants who have no wickedness in them, or young children who have not yet attained any concept of the private parts of women. And they walk not in a style that such of their beauty as as concealed is noticed, and turn you to Allah altogether, O believers, that you may succeed. God, fuck. It's It's like they got paid by the word back then, isn't it? Man, just on and on. And the brother of thy brother and the sister of thy brother and the brother of thy mother of thy sister of thy brother's mother's lover. Wow, man, tighten it up. It's like nobody had editors back then. So basically, Muhammad was uh, anti-boner. Uh, he was even more anti-boner than the Christians or the Jews, which were also pretty anti-boner. It's a lot of boner hate, a lot of boner hate back then. Dude fucking hated boners, and he didn't want you scandalous women with your scandalous women parts getting our evil boners are worked up and ready for Satan's work. Because you know what? Because Satan loves boners, you guys. If you take away one thing from this episode, it's that Satan loves boners. Satan has yet to come across a boner he didn't think was top shelf. Satan Satan himself is probably never limp. How sad would that be? A limp, limp dick devil. That is no way to run hell, bro. First rule of hell. You gotta rule it with a hard dick. All right, so the Muslims, they also do believe in Satan, uh, but their devil is a little different than the Judeo-Christian devil. He's not a fallen angel. He's a jinn. Jinn are a separate group of, and that's not G-I-N. It's not like we're talking about liquor, I'm talking about J-I-N-N. They're a separate group of beings created by Allah before uh humans. And they live in a separate dimension. How cool is that, man? Oh shit. Getting into some extra dimensions here. Extra points for creativity, Muhammad. Maybe that second dimension, David Icke was talking about uh with lizard people. Maybe that's where they are. Uh so the jinn, they're kind of like a dark counterpart to angels. Allah created angels and jinns, but unlike angels, uh jinns don't have to be good angels are just good they don't have a power of choice but the jinns, they can be naughty or they can be good they're supposed to worship Allah just like us and then just like us they don't have to they have free will they have families and they lead their lives in their parallel jinn dimension uh except that they live longer lives I guess and they have more powers than we do because jinns are kind of like genies uh they come from the same Ar- Arabian mythology uh so they have some magic powers you know they can probably do fucking card tricks if they want to uh, they can enter our dimension. They can take on whatever form they wish. They can appear as a human or as a tree or as a space lizard. Uh, they can possess people. You can be taken over by a jinn, and then a Muslim cleric or imam uh, can banish it from your body, kind of like a priest performing an exorcism. I, I wonder if you're transitioning from like Catholicism to Islam or vice versa, like you got kind of like one foot in each world. Could you be possessed by a demon and a jinn? Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that be a, just a shitty day? Talk about being stuck up Shit's Creek without a paddle on two different creeks, at the same time, in two different creek dimensions. Whew. And jinns can be evil, like demons. Uh, they can possess uh, objects and turn them into evil objects. Most Muslims uh, believe that Satan, known uh, in Islam as uh, Iblis, is a jinn. Satan is also known in uh, Islam as Shaitan. And Iblis is the worst he is He's a naughty jinn, you guys. He's, fuck, he's so naughty. You'll be like, Iblis, are you going to be good? Are you going to be cool today? And he'll be like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm going to be super good. I'm going to be super cool. And you'll come home a couple hours later, and there's no milk in the fridge. And he ate your last fucking banana. He's got a little nana in his beard. You know he's guilty. You know it's the one you were saving for a sweet smoothie. And you're like, dude, it's not, that's not fucking cool, Iblis. And he's like, dude, dude what, what did you expect? I'm the devil. Okay, so hopefully I'm getting all this right. I've been on so many Islamic message boards and fundamentalist websites this past week. I am positive I'm on an FBI watch list. Uh, I've, been Googling, <laughs> I've been Googling jihad and ISIS more than an actual terrorist. I've been carrying around a book called Jihad Academy uh, around at the airport. Uh, that's, that's a good way to get a lot of concerned glances. I'm going to tell you that. Okay, another question I had is why do dudes wear turbans? Well, actually, Muslim men don't need to wear turbans, Dan. Uh, some do uh, out of a wish to emulate the Prophet Muhammad because he wore one back in the day when it was fashionable in the 7th century. But you don't have to has nothing to do with the Korean. Uh Sikhs, they wear turbans, and that's a completely different religion, Eastern-based. Odds are, if you see a Muslim wearing a turban, you're probably a little bit racist. Because, you know, you're, you're probably, in fact, seeing an Indian who you think is a Middle Eastern person. So let's talk about the branches of Islam a little bit. For a Christian comparison of those main branches I mentioned a while back, the Sunnis and the Shias, think, think Catholic and Protestant, kind of. It, not that the analogy works perfectly at all. Uh, maybe, maybe Sunnis, uh, for starters, can kind of be like Catholics in the sense that they're, they're the biggest group. Sunnis dominate Islam more than the Catholics dominate Christianity, statistically speaking, uh, where Catholics are a little bit more than half of all Christians, or right around half. But uh, uh, almost 90% of Muslims worldwide are Sunni, and Sunni followers believe that uh, Muhammad had not appointed a specific successor, and many years after his death and significant debate, followers chose uh, Abu Bakr Sadiq, who became the first caliph. And Abu was one of Muhammad's father-in-law, one of his father-in-laws, i.e. he had multiple wives. At one point, Muhammad had nine wives at the same time. Dude, these dudes loved having multiple women to sleep with, didn't they? Just religious justification for polygamous fornication. Oh, man, a lot of those anti-boner dudes love getting down with multiple women. How does that not tarnish the message? Because the world's fucking insane, that's how. Uh, You know, it shows up in Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Mormonism, whatever. Just preach sexual suppression and then go bang one of your many wives, you hypocritical dickhead. People love being part of a group, no matter how crazy that group is. It's how religions, cults, uh, obvious pyramid schemes, all that kind of shit starts. So one of the positions within the Sunni religion is that if imams, uh, a type of priest, although one doesn't have to be formally ordained, uh, one under Sunni uh, belief, uh, an imam is like, a, is like a prayer leader. The Muslims pray five times a day, by the way, dawn uh, before sunrise, midday after the sun passes, highest point, late part of afternoon, just after sunset. Between sunset and midnight, must be a bitch for Muslims living near the Arctic Circle up in Sweden. Like when in June the sun rises at 3.30 a.m., sets at 10.08 p.m. Devout Islamic fundamentalists living in northern Sweden, must, they must hate their life so much for so many reasons. This is the coldest fuck here. I, I'm one of five people in town who aren't white. Everyone stares at me all day long, and I get four hours of sleep at night. Anyway, the ritual of Salat is intended to keep Allah at the forefront of one's thoughts throughout the day. That's why they pray so much, Just keep thinking about Allah. Uh, Sunnis also believe that individuals can approach God directly and that he will present himself on Judgment Day. And again, so many other uh, boring elements that will just bog down this narrative. So let's get into Shia. Shia is the next biggest group, the Shiites. Uh, Shia believe that Muhammad did pick a successor, and then it wasn't Abu uh, Bakr Sadiq. Oh, shit. It's on now, motherfuckers. You picked the wrong dude, Sunnis. Oh, you messed up. It was supposed to be Ali ibn Abi Talib, Muhammad's son-in-law. You blew it. You blew it. I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. The Shiites are wrong. You fu- you blew it, Shiites. If I'm going to cater to a group of Muslims, it's going to be Sunnis. They have by far the biggest numbers. So if any of you Sunnis are listening, I just want to take a second to say that you guys get it. I just listen. It's it's the crazy Shiites that believe in Ali ibn Abi Talib. Like what 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 the heck? They, you, you got no. You guys are totally right. Sorry about the irre- irreverent jokes earlier. Those were all directed to the Shiites. All all of them. The Sunnis are so much more right. Guys, so much more right than Shiites. I get a lot of your wars now. I do. I would, I would attack those heretics as well. They don't, they don't get it. They don't fucking get it. Tlaib? Get out of here. All right. This branch of Islam is less about the individual's relationship with God and more about the cleric's interpretation of the Quran. Imams have more power with the Shiites. So in a way, they're more like Catholics, actually, than Protestants. Unlike the Sunni, the Shia do not believe that humans will see God on Judgment Day. So I guess that's another point of contention. And then there's uh, numerous other Islamic derivatives. There's the uh, Ahmadiyya branch of Islam, a newer branch formed in the 19th century. Uh, There's Ibadi, a variation dominant only in the small Middle Middle Eastern and Muslim nation of Oman... Uh, one of a few groups who opposed the rule of the initial uh, Umayyad caliphate. There's also the Sufis. Sufism isn't really a branch per se, it's a mystical version of Islam that can be practiced within Sunni and Shia faiths. Like, while all Muslims believe that they're on the pathway to Allah and hope to become close to God in paradise after death, after the last judgment, Sufis also believe that it's possible to draw closer to God and to, to more fully embrace the divine presence in this life. Uh, and they're like, uh, yeah, they're like hardcore. Like, like, they fucking dance around and shit. There's the Druze, uh, who are related to Islam, but are not really Muslim. The Druze faith originated in Egypt during the reign of the 6th Fatimid Caliph, uh, Al-Hakim bi Amir Allah. Uh, Some Islamic theologians began to proclaim Al-Hakim a divine figure. They're interesting cats, the Druze. The Druze consider uh, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle as prophets as well. They don't consider other uh, Abrahamic religions false, just different parts of the same truth. Uh, the Druze respect Muhammad as a prophet, uh, believe the Quran was sent by God, yet they believe uh, their new beliefs are kind of have, you know, it's like another newer testament, uh, supersede uh, Muhammad's teachings. And uh, most interesting to me, the Druze the have permitted no conversion to their faith at all since 1043 AD. That's, that's not a good way to get a big religion, you guys. You know, with the Druze, you either got in on the ground fucking floor or you were born in. Too bad bad more religions can't do that. Just stop accepting new members, you know? Leave the rest of us alone. There are are no Druze missionaries. Not part of their deal. All right, so now we understand a little bit about Islam. Let's understand a little bit about Syria and its civil war, which gets us into ISIS. All right, Syria became an independent nation in 1946 following a brief post-World War II period of occupation by the French. Prior to 1946, the area now known as Syria had been ruled by approximately a shit ton of people. So it is time to explain that with a quick Time-suck timeline. Strap on those boots, soldier. We're marching down a time-suck timeline. 583 BC, Syria becomes part of the Persian Empire. 332 BC, it was conquered by Alexander the Great and becomes part of his empire. 300 BC becomes a Greek colony. 64 BC becomes a Roman province. 270 AD, the Syrian queen, uh, Zenobia, proclaims herself queen of the east and overthrows the Romans. Uh, 636 AD, the Byzantines rule Syria until Islamic forces overthrow them in 636, and by 661, the Umayyad Caliphate is formed. 750 AD, the Umayyad Caliphate is overthrown by another caliphate, the uh, Abbasid uh, dynasty. A dynasty that lasts until the Mongols destroy it in 1258 A.D. Listen to Time Suck 6 about the Battle of Nishapur uh, if you want to hear about how the Mongols treated the Middle East. Fi- uh, 1516 A.D., the Ottoman Empire and the Turks take it over. A- 1831, uh, the Egyptians take it over. 1840, the Egyptians are like, nah, that's okay, never mind. They give it back to the Ottomans. 1918, an Arab prince, Prince Faisal, he takes it over from the Ottomans. Uh, He becomes king in 1920 and then almost immediately gets his ass kicked by the French who take it over and try to turn it into a Christian country, a constitution is drawn up that requires the president to be Christian, the prime minister to be a Sunni Muslim, and the speaker of parliament to be a Shiite Muslim. That lasts until 1946 uh, when the French leave. After some jockeying for power and the vacuum left by the uh, French void there between various uh, Islamic factions and secular political parties – The Ba'ath Party emerges as the main player. And that's weird for me to say, so I'm just going to say Ba'ath, although I think it's Ba'ath. I like to say (laughs) Ba'ath. So just go along. 1947. Since 1947, Syria has been ruled by various versions of the Ba'ath Party. A secular and socialist political party, in theory, uh, initially... There was a parliamentary democracy, uh, then a military coup in 1963, then another military coup in 1966, basically battles for control uh, from various members of the same party. Uh, Hafez al-Hassad eventually gains consistent control over the military and the government uh, by 1968. Hafez al-Hassad creates a constitution, formalizes a parliamentary system of government, adopts a permanent constitution for the country. Uh, which had been ruled by military fiat in a provisional constitutional document uh, since 1963, and then he rules until his death in 2000. So in 2000 uh, A.D., Bashar al-Assad succeeds his father as president and rules to this day. Timeline out. Good job, soldier. You made it back. Barely. So, as you can see, nonstop fucking turmoil for a few thousand years. As detailed as my timeline was, I left a lot out because it's just too much information, it's so dense. Uh, various other groups had, you know, taken power for a few years here, a few years there. Even during like the reign of one group, there was continual infighting. In uh, opposing leaders taking the reins at various times. Tons and tons and tons of battles and wars. Different ethnic and religious groups were migrating in and out of the area over the years. You know, various Jewish people settled in uh, Syria a long time ago. The Crusades brought Christians. The French brought more Christians. Ottomans brought Turks, etc., etc. Other smaller regional tribes, you know, settling in the area, you know, various little tribes of of religions outside of Christianity and Judaism and Islam that, you know, been in the area since the Mesopotamian days. It's very complex. Uh, Monarchies, caliphates, Roman provincial governments, on and on and on. And now in 2017, Syria is a democracy in name only. In reality, it is absolutely a dictatorship. President Assad has the power to appoint members to the Council of Ministers, issue laws, amend the Constitution, declare war, uh, just as he sees fit, uh, approves government five year plans. Uh, per the Constitution, the president's supposed to only serve a seven year term and may be reelected just one additional time. But uh, after serving his two terms, his 14 years, Assad changed his own democratic law because he can do that. And, uh, you know, runs, quote-unquote, for a third term in 2014 and receives uh, 88% of the bullshit popular vote. It's fucking nonsense. Most academics and journalists uh, believe the whole thing was blatantly rigged. Uh, it's an authoritarian regime uh, where Assad does as he wishes. And now, uh, at long last, we can begin to understand ISIS. Okay, so ISIS started off as a splinter group from al-Qaeda back in 2004 when Abu Musab al uh established al-Qaeda in Iraq. Al-Zarqawi uh, was one of the most wanted men in the world. The U.S. put a $25 million price on his head. Uh, he was a uh, self-described jihadist. Now, a jihadist is someone who believes in a religious war in which Muslims will fulfill a series of prophecies that will result in bringing about Armageddon during which all righteous Muslims will be glorified in heaven. And, and this is very important to understand because this is the reason that ISIS and uh, you know, other groups are, are, are fighting. At least some of them. At least the ones who, you know, are not just going along to, I don't know, fucking rape and pillage or whatever. So they believe they'll uh, establish a new and final series of caliphates, leading to the final caliphate, which will bring about the final hour of human history. The Islamic State uh, also believes that there will be uh, a monumental confrontation, essentially Armageddon, between the Muslim and quote-unquote Roman forces, which, you know, now is just, you know, translates to the West, the Western forces, in the small Syrian town of Beak. Now, this is why their propaganda magazine is named Tabiq. After uh, the Muslims defeat the Romans, the remaining one-third of their victorious forces will then proceed to Constantinople, now in Istanbul, uh, to supernaturally conquer it by shouting, Akbar." This is, this is why the Turkish language propaganda magazine's title translates as Constantinople. Uh, at this point... The first of 10 greater signs will appear, namely the Antichrist or the Dajjal, to spread evil throughout the world, but not to worry. Jesus, who is not crucified on the cross, according to Islam, will return to earth over the white minaret of the Umayyad Mosque in Damascus, propped up by the wings of two angels. He will then kill the Dajjal uh, with his 70,000 Jewish minions at the gate of Lud, or modern day Lod in Israel. This is when Jesus will break a cross, an important symbolic gest- uh, gesture that proves that Christianity is a corruption of his truth. Uh, finally, all sorts of bizarre, supernatural shit, uh, happens leading up to a bodily resurrection of the dead and the final judgment. It goes all fucking walking dead at, at the end. Uh, so, sounds like a great movie, actually. Just Jihad, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Dwayne, The Rock Johnson, and Keanu Reeves as white dudes playing Middle Eastern dudes. Ray Liotta as a racist American general, directed by Ridley Scott. I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, Zarqawi and Bin Laden—they were aligned somewhat with the Taliban Muslims, as a lot of us uh, already know. Al Qaeda has similar ideals to the Taliban, and the Taliban is just a, a fundamentalist uh, group within the Sunni Muslims. They're like the they're like the Pentecostal snake charmers to the uh, moderate Sunnis—you know, even tempered kind of Lutheran type Christian. But Zarqawi is is different than bin Laden. Bin Laden was born into extreme wealth, like extreme billionaire wealth, ran in wealthy social circles. Zarqawi was born a, a poor son of refugees raised in a slum in Jordan. Uh, Bin Laden used to send out eloquent, radical messages to his followers. Uh, The first time Zarqawi appeared to the world, he was sending out a video from Iraq in 2004, mutters a few words with a knife in his hand, then savagely cuts the head off an American hostage named Nicholas Berg, and that is exactly how you get a $25 million bounty put on your fucking head. So while al-Qaeda kind of focused on the enemy abroad... You know, Al Qaeda uh, focused on like kind of Western infidel non believers, including America. Zarqawi, uh, he focuses on the enemies nearby, mostly the Shiites. ISIS hates Shiites. They hate them more than Christians, more than it hates the West. They consider Shiites fake Muslims who misrepresent Allah. And for that, they're going to die. You know, kind of reminds me of my Pentecostal grandma uh, trying to talk me out of going to Gonzaga. Because it was a Catholic university. She told me that the Catholics were fake Christians, satanic even. They had intentionally uh, manipulated and ruined the Bible with their awful interpretations of Scripture, and they were all going to burn in hell. Yeah, fun times. Uh, Well, in Iraq, uh, the Shiites uh, were the majority uh, of Muslims in in most parts of that country, and Zarqawi wanted them dead uh, and tried to ignite a war against him. But on June 7, 2006, he's killed in a U.S. airstrike. And he he was after U.S. people as well because he felt like they were on the side of the Shiites and they were infidels and blah, blah, blah. But his legacy lived on. The direct followers of Zarqawi, along with new fighters from both inside and outside of Iraq and Syria, broke from al-Qaeda, renamed itself the Islamic State of Iraq in late 2006, uh, almost four months after al-Zarqawi was uh, killed. Uh, Islamic State has grown steadily stronger over the – they grew stronger over the next eight years, drawing Sunni Muslim fighters from across the Middle East and Europe who wanted to fight the Americans and to kill Shiite Muslims. Uh, ISIS uh, has been fighting the West, Shiites, and any religious and ethnic minority that happens to be in its way ever since. And and they've made a lot of progress in Syria, uh, taking over uh, much of the nation's territory, thanks to a large Sunni population, and thanks to President Assad uh, making Syria such a fucking shitty place to live for most people that they would rather have a lunatic fringe group of Muslims trying to bring about Armageddon in charge of their fucking town than Assad. Like, how terrible are you at your, jo- at your job when they're like, "Nah, fucking, I'll go with ISIS. They seem a little better. So, you know, is ISIS, you know, re- really the bad guy then in the Syrian civil war? No, I don't think so. They're one of the bad guys, for sure. They're crazy, but I don't think they're the baddest guy. ISIS is bad. You know, they, they have done some horrible shit. Let's talk about that for a second before I talk about how much worse I think Assad is. Uh, between August 3rd and, and 14th of 2014, Islamic State forces cut off and surrounded thousands of Yazidi civilians on Mount Sinjar in northern Iraq. At least 500 men are slaughtered, execution style, with an unknown number of women being captured and sold into sexual slavery. At least 70 kids are reported to have died of thirst. Uh, Jesus. While well, at least 50 of the elderly perished. The Yazidi, by the way, are that's a mostly Kurdish ethnic minority who have their own separate ancient religion that goes back to Mesopotamian days. And because they're not Sunni Muslims, uh, ISIS, you know, they don't give a fuck about them. On February 15th, 2015, ISIS released a video showing the beheading of 21 captured Egyptian men. I saw a couple of stills. Blah, I do not recommend it. Uh, all Coptic Christians, which is the largest Christian denomination in the Middle East. Uh, the video states, uh, calls them, refers to them as people of the cross. The massacre took place on a Libyan beach. Uh, after capturing the strategic town just five miles from Al-Hazad Air Base, where 320 U.S. Marines are stationed alongside Iraqi forces, ISIS rounded up 45 civilians, some thought to be Iraq security forces, and their families, and then burned them alive, uh, burned them in some cages. I don't know, I'm sure you've heard about that. Fucking burning people in cages, horrific. Uh, after a Syrian woman was found breastfeeding in public, which is strictly against uh, Sharia, Islamic uh, kind of fundamentalist interpretation of the Quran uh, law, like you know traditional religious law. A group of all-female religious police called the Alkanza Brigade tortured the women with a bear trap device clamped to her breasts. Tortured the woman. I think I said women. But yeah, uh, December 2014, reports began to come out of northern Iraq that some 3,500 captured Yazidi women had been sold as sex slaves, sex slaves tortured, repeatedly raped. And they've and done so much more than that. That was just random examples. I could go on and on and on for an hour about the atrocities. And, and they intentionally do very heinous shit because they, they acknowledge it. Uh, they use terror itself as a weapon. They don't want to just kill their enemies, which is why there's so much fear around ISIS. Uh, they, they don't want to just kill you. They want to publicly humiliate and torture you, record your death, and then blast it out on social media and YouTube. They're very technologically savvy that way to enrage the world. They want these videos to get spread around because their ultimate goal, remember, is to bring about Armageddon. And they feel like if the West comes over to fight them because the West is so pissed off about all these fucking atrocities, then the West is going to fight them in their, in their land. They're going to they're defeat them you know, in, that, in, the, in the city where they think the fucking Armageddon is, is going to go down, the beak or whatever. And uh, it's all part of their apocalyptic nightmarish vision. But, but to look at ISIS as the big spooky bad guy in Syria uh, and elsewhere in the Middle East is to do yourself and the Syrian people a huge disservice. ISIS is fucked up, undoubtedly. But why is a group that seems so obviously horrific able to recruit new members? Why are they able to take over Syrian cities? You know, they controlled up to 30,000 square miles of Syria and many of its cities as recently as late 2016. Is it because uh, the local Syrians love them that many of them want a caliphate as well? No. Most Muslims are moderates, just like most Christians. Most Christians don't strictly adhere to the Bible any more than most Muslims strictly adhere to the Quran. ISIS is alive and well, largely because Assad is even worse than ISIS. If you're being persecuted and oppressed by a tyrannical authoritarian regime that uses torture willy-nilly, just on the regular like Assad does, uh, you're going to fight back eventually. Uh, and Assad, fucking, he does love to torture, reminiscent of early Nazi concentration camps and detention centers in the early 1930s. Uh, the top U- uh, UN human, human rights official on Tuesday, March 14th, 2017, just this past Tuesday, said that uh, for thousands, for tens of thousands of detainees to be released uh, from Syria's prisons, he, he called for them to be released. Oh, sorry, and also called for their torturers and executioners to be brought to justice as a part of lasting peace. Like torture is a big thing with Assad, and, uh, and and his torture and oppression partially explains ISIS's growth. You know, eventually the beaten dog usually will bite you back. And even though you know you yourself might think ISIS is crazy, you know. You might still join it or at least support it or at the very least not get in its way if it's attacking the regime that's been fucking you over for the last few years, maybe the last few decades. Lack of social and economic opportunity, mistrust of a government. That's the perfect environment to grow extremism. ISIS would not be as nearly uh, powerful as it is if life was good for the average person in Syria. Like Without Assad or someone like Assad, there's a very good chance there's no uh, ISIS in Syria. They have a very symbiotic relationship. You know, Assad can kind of maintain his holding power saying like, well, you know, if I'm gone, think about what, what's going to happen with ISIS. They're going to take over. So then people support him even though he's fucking worse. Uh, if Syria had a, had a strong and fair democratic government that represented Kurds and Shiites and Sunnis and Turks and Assyrians and Christians and the Yazidi people and secular non-religious types, ISIS would probably be squashed out. But ISIS isn't going anywhere with a fucking tyrant like that in charge. A lot of citizens who support ISIS see it as the lesser of two evils. They really do. Quote from a Syrian citizen. Uh, about ISIS, uh, about the controlled city of Jerubalus, says, At the beginning, my parents were against Islamic State, but today they still prefer their authoritarian behavior to the anarchy prevailing in places controlled by the Free Syrian Army. That's Assad's army. It is true with the FSA, we were free to do as we pleased, but with them the city was not secure and we could be kidnapped by gangs at any time. So there's also that thing too, you know, (laughs) that the the ISIS is crazy. they They have at least some semblance of order. And the situation is so horrific for the average Syrian. Uh, Millions of regular people, man, trapped between Assad, who represent a theoretically secular government aligned with the Shiites, uh, and then ISIS, who aligns with the Sunnis, both fighting for control of the very same nation. They're constantly destroying Sunni, Shiite, other ethnic and religious groups, all caught in the middle. Uh, We went over some of ISIS's atrocities. Now, now, Now let me compare them with Assad. Here's some stuff on him. More than 21,000 people were killed in the Syrian conflict in 2015, most of them civilians, according to the Syrian Network for Human Rights, the Middle East Monitor reported. The report indicated the Islamic State group known as ISIS has proved less deadly than the Syrian government this year. The regime of President Bashar Assad has been responsible for 75% of the casualties, mostly civilian, according to the report. Uh, Of the 15,748 people reported killed by government forces, a vast majority, 12,044, were civilians. 38% of civilian casualties were women and children. For comparison, ISIS was reportedly responsible for the deaths of 2,098 people, 13,66 civilians. Oh, man. That's crazy. Counting Syria's dead has become nearly impossible. This is from The New Yorker. The UN stopped trying uh, more than two years ago. But groups monitoring the conflict have estimated the number to be almost half a million. With the pace of killing accelerating each year, the war has emptied out the country, with some 5 million Syrians escaping to neighboring countries and to Europe, straining the capacity of even those countries which are willing to provide asylum and humanitarian aid. The chaos has also played a fundamental role in the rise of ISIS, the bloodiest of the jihadi groups that have used Syria as a staging ground to expand the reach of terrorism. Um, This is from The Guardian. Bashar al-Assad's Syrian regime is committing war crimes and crimes against humanity by systematically using barrel bombs to kill civilians and destroy infrastructure in Aleppo, says Amnesty International. Based on more than 100 interviews with current and former residents, many of them survivors and activists, analysis of images and videos from the besieged city, the 74-page report documents, quote, unthinkable atrocities. These include airstrikes that have killed mostly civilians, as well as arbitrary detention and torture. The city of Aleppo has withstood more than six millennia of pillage and insurrection, but the past three years have damaged more of its civilization and displaced more of its people than perhaps all of its earlier conflicts. The ancient metropolis, one of the oldest continuously inhabited cities in the world, now split into two halves. The Syrian regime runs the west, and the armed opposition controls the east. God, the destruction in Syria is almost unimaginable. I'll I'll put some photos up at TimeSecPodcast.com. And I, and I watched a really good Vice piece on it a while back, a couple months ago. And it's, I mean, it's just, it's crazy, the images you see. Like, imagine a neighborhood or a city that numbered in the hundreds of thousands a couple years back that's now a ghost town of just rubble and ruin, just fucking bombed to nothing. But there's still, like, a couple families trying to live there, a few kids playing amongst the mortar shell casings. That, That's a lot of Syria now. I mean, I mean this thing has been fucking torn apart by a ruthless regime struggling to maintain some power and wealth amongst the wreckages Uh, and and a group of religious fanatics trying to bring about Armageddon. And most Syrians are just ordinary people caught in the middle, just people who want to raise a family, own a little piece of land, laugh, watch their kids grow up, babysit the grandkids, pet the dog, have sex in a home, they don't have to worry about being bombed at any moment, walk down the street without worrying about being beheaded. And because of that turmoil, so many Syrians are fleeing. In 2016, the UN identified 13.5 million Syrians requiring humanitarian assistance, Of which more than six million are internationally, or or, I'm sorry, more than six million are internally displaced within Syria, and over 4.8 million are refugees outside of Syria. Wow, man! And so, what do we do about this, man? Should we ban refugees? Should we let Trump ban Muslims? Sure, if you're a simple-minded asshole, if you want to shit on every ideal America was founded on, ISIS has no fucking interest in coming over here uh, and and fucking shit up in the the U.S. It's, It's not a priority, I should say. It's not a priority. All right? they they want to mess up Syria. They want to bring us to Syria. That's where the caliphate is going to be set up in their lunatic minds. They're not trying to set up the caliphate in North Carolina or Idaho. They, you know that's not part of their religiously misguided insane plan. So let's, let's stop pretending they're uh, a a huge threat to, to life in the US, you know. <laughs> our healthcare system is l- literally more of a threat to our lives than than the uh, ISIS. And stop thinking the average Muslim is a threat to the American way of life. 99.99999% of Muslim refugees hate ISIS, more than we could ever know, I'm sure. We haven't been terrorized firsthand by those assholes on a daily basis for years. They have. They just want to get the fuck out of there, right? They they want to get away from those caliphate, uh, you know, idiots. Ah, man, the, the notion of banning Syrian refugees to prevent ISIS terror cells from establishing themselves in America, I think shows a lack of understanding about ISIS's agenda. You know, they're they're much more concerned with Shiites and Kurds and Turks and other minorities in Syria than they are with America. I think promoting American fear of ISIS is just uh, mostly political posturing. You know, when Trump tried to ban Syrian immigration, you know, somebody leaked a Department of Homeland Security memo stating that country of citizenship is an unreliable indicator of terrorist behavior in the U.S. All right, that's the Department of Homeland Security. That's that's their fucking area of expertise. I think they know a little better than some other people in politics right now know. So all that being said, would I want to live in a predominantly Muslim neighborhood if, they, if we were just letting them all in? No, I, I wouldn't. I'm not going to lie to you. I would, I would not want to live in a predominantly Muslim neighborhood. But I also want, wouldn't want to live in a predominantly Jewish neighborhood or Mormon or Christian or Hindu neighborhood. I don't want to live around being surrounded by, by a bunch of religious people in general. I think it's all fucking nuts. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but what I really hate about the Muslim ban is that it's obviously racist and xenophobic. You know, Can't we act a little better than that in 2017? And, and if you think I'm being dramatic right now, just replace ISIS with IRA. Think about that. Replace it with the Irish Republican Army. Do you think for a second we'd start banning Irish refugees from coming over to America? Do you think for a moment we'd sit back and watch the Irish citizenry tortured, bombed, gassed, and killed in mass? Get the fuck out of here. And you're like, well, well, they haven't... They haven't been, you know, terrorizing uh, the West. They, they've terrorized white people. They terrorized British people, right? They they bombed uh, fucking British people. Whatever. You know, it's really not that different. Uh, it's actually a pretty good analogy. But you know, do you think we'd, we we just let the Irish citizenry be tortured, bombed, gassed, killed in mass? No, we wouldn't. You know, goddamn well, we'd never let that happen. So why are we so okay with letting that shit go down in Syria? Why why is genocide okay in Africa? You know, it's because because they don't look like uh, uh, white people. I really think that's a lot of it. You know, if this stuff was going down in Britain or Iceland, we'd we'd intervene. And I don't think that, that racism is specific uh, to white people. By the way, I think America it was colonized by Muslims, you know, from the Middle East instead of Christians from Europe. We'd be in Syria right now, and we also wouldn't be helping Ireland. You know, <laughs> if, it, if it was, it's just it's just God, it's crazy, man. We're just we're herd animals, I guess. You know, we're more concerned with what's going on in our herd, or concerned with you know uh, other cattle who look a little more like us than cattle who don't. And think about all the concern that Obama may have been a Muslim. That always uh, drove me crazy. Why should that matter? Especially as I, as I read more about this stuff, it doesn't matter. But I'll tell you why it does matter. It matters because a lot of uh, uh, uneducated hillbillies think Islam is evil, just inherently. Are there horrible messages, violent messages, misogynistic messages in the Quran? Yeah! Yeah, there are. But there's also the same type of messages in all the Abrahamic religions. Be fucking honest with yourself. Islam is no more fucked up than Judaism or Christianity. Saying one is worse than the other is like, is like arguing that a goblin is scarier uh, than a troll or scarier than an orc. It's asinine. But to many, the word Muslim has become synonymous with evil, synonymous with terrorism. Uh, if Obama was Muslim, then he also must be evil. He must hate America. He must want to destroy it. Man, I, w- I wish I could be the guy who thinks that sometimes. It uh, must be nice to feel that just certain about the world, just to paint it only in black and white. How, how simple and convenient, how little you have to think. And what about the members of ISIS themselves? I mean, are they just evil, cartoonish versions of humans? Simple-minded, bloodthirsty cretins with no nuance, no complexity? Just 100% evil, huh? Just, just all evil, full evil, no good in them. God, come on, that's bullshit. Most of the members of ISIS probably don't even believe in ISIS. They probably don't even believe in fucking Armageddon. Uh I've read some, a, lot, a lot of uh, articles about how a lot of them don't even really know that much about Islam in general. They're just Middle Eastern kids. Uh, who have seen their families bombed, gassed, shot at their whole lives? They live amidst rubble and ruin with no hope for a future that includes anything other than more rubble, more ruin. They have no hope. And uh, and I hate when you know when I hear people talk about how bringing them to America is just going to spread that rubble and ruin over to this country. Yeah, okay, right. Like 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 letting Irish immigrants into the country back in the late 19th century during the potato famine spread that potato famine to America. That is bullshit. Come on. No, they'll come over, and most of them are going to lead normal lives. Will a few people kill and praise Allah? Yeah, yep. I'm not an idiot. Of course they will. But you know what, Muslims and Middle Eastern uh, uh, people, yeah, they have murderous nuts just like white non-Muslims do. You know, they'll kill some people just like some fifth-generation white American will kill some people. Just like some fucking, uh, you know, white idiot, white Christian idiot, who whatever, you know, might go into a mall and shoot people up. Yeah, it does. It's, it's not going to create more of that. It's just – it's like in some, some uh, horrible new way, it's just gonna, yeah, people fucking kill people, sadly, regardless of color, regardless of religion. I think most of these fighters are just dumb kids. They found a group that gives them some kind of measure of inclusion and control in their lives. You know, I, I think about when I was a young uh, counselor back in Spokane, Washington. I was fresh out of college I was working at this group, group home as a crisis counselor working with these teens. And I remember hearing about how one of these kids staying with us, uh, he was a neo-Nazi. I could not figure out why he would ever join that obviously horrible group. But then another counselor who had been doing it for a long time broke it down for me. She explained how this kid has no family. How they had, had they been out on their own, no one to watch over, no one to care for them, just taking advantage of their whole young life, abused as a kid, you know, uh, molested, you know, living out on the streets, no hope for a better life. And then suddenly some group of dudes comes around and just treats him like, uh, like he's awesome. Like he's like he's cool, befriends him, gives him a place to stay, gives him a job, give him a sense of purpose and family. You know, giving someone to blame for all the wrongs he's endured in his young life, and that's how you create a skinhead, and that's how you become an ISIS jihadist as well. You know, and if we don't think about why people are joining groups like ISIS, if we don't think about the conditions creating a group like ISIS, then we're never going to fix the problem. You can't just keep killing new members, and you know, you get like what th- they're just symptoms of of the problem underneath. You gotta you gotta fucking get to the source. But now, before we get to takeaways, let me go back to the beginning. Time sucker Dan Drake's original assessment was that Islamic ex- extremism is currently worse than Christian extremism. And I, and I do think it's cr- currently worse. I do agree. I do agree. Muslim extremist groups like ISIS and Boko Haram are doing a lot of evil shit right now. Like, they're way worse. There is no current Christian equivalent to a group like ISIS. Religious extremism is awful in all forms. But let's not confuse extremism with the rest of the converts. Islam is not evil. Muslims are not evil. Most of them are as kind and loving as most Christians are. Now, with all my preaching, do I think for a second I actually know what the fuck to do about ISIS? Uh, Assad, extremism, Syrian civil war, the refugee crisis? No, hell no. I I would win the Nobel Peace Prize and be named man of the century. Probably man of the millennium if, if I could solve that problem. The problems in Syria are so complicated uh, even Syrian intellectual Hassin al-Haj Saleh, one of the most influential, uh, influential Arab writers and dissidents, as well as prominent intellectual voices of the Syrian revolution, says when asked what the West can now do to fix Syria, this is what he says. It's too late. It is far too late. That's, that's the biggest expert out there. It's like, yeah. And then just, uh, it's, uh, who knows? So who knows how to fix it all? But what I do know is that the average Muslim is no worse than the average Christian. That's, that's, that's what I you know, really feel like I educated myself with on this, on this week's episode. They're just different, you know? And, I, and I, now I know, uh, you know that we should be kind to Muslims and not xenophobic, as hard on Christianity as I can be. Uh, I am nice to Christians in my regular life. I know and love many Christians. And now, uh, after doing my research, I hope to know and love many Muslims, man. And I hope you do too. Life is so complicated, isn't it? It would be so much easier if we could just say, like, those people are evil, they're over there, like some, like fucking politicians always do. That, that's the problem, and the, this is the good part. Ah, that's not how life really is. and I think you all know that. But enough preaching for one Monday. Let's get into some top five takeaways. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Number one. Syria is super fucked up right now. Roughly half a million dead since 2011 when the war started. An estimated 11 million displaced from their homes. And you thought your Monday was rough. No wonder I don't have any Syrian downloads. It is pure, horrific chaos. Number two, Syrian refugees should absolutely be vetted for terrorist group associations before they come into this country. But banning all Syrian refugees is just as heartless and idiotic as banning all the citizens of any other nation. Most Syrians are not terrorists. Most hate terrorism in a way most Americans will never even understand. And I think, personally... Uh, banning Syrian immigrants uh, is just going to create more Syrian terrorists who hate the U.S. You know, if we let oppressed Syrians believe a nation of immigrants doesn't care about their particular persecution, doesn't care about their murder and mass, well, you don't think that's going to piss them off? You don't think youth seeing that, youth seeing America just say, get the fuck out, stay away from us? You don't think that's going to leave some serious resentment, add to their feeling of hopelessness, which is going to add to more ISIS recruitment? I think it will. Number three. Islam is divided into two main branches. Sunnis and Shiites and millions are dying because back in the 7th century, some ancient dudes thought Muhammad's son-in-law, Ali, was his rightful successor, and some other ancient dudes thought Muhammad's father-in-law, Abu Bakr, was the successor. Cue death and destruction for hundreds of years. Yay! Crazy religion. I do think, by the way, though, if we got rid of organized religion, we'd still kill each other. It's <laughs> there's something, there's something in it. Talk about, like, the symptom... Uh, and then the actual disease. I think re- I think religion is the fucking symptom of of a disease that's much deeper in humanity. We, w- we would still find other reasons to hate each other. Number four, Syrian leader Bashar al assad is a ruthless motherfucker. His brutal uh, Sadanayya prison, a special place to t- hold, torture, and kill those who oppose him, has been called by some human rights activists, quote, the worst place on earth. That's, that's a pretty harsh criticism. One of the few who made it out recounted this to The Guardian. Uh, a detainee recounts details of the welcome party, the terrifying initiation ceremony that awaited new arrivals fresh off one of the meat fridge trucks used to transport prisoners clues to their whereabouts until the doors clanged open. Beatings with metal bars and cables were followed by so-called security checks, during which women in particular were subjected to rape and sexual assault by male guards. As we waited for our turn, we heard the sounds of beating, of people falling out of the truck. We heard people scream, said Jamal Abdul. Everyone was screaming, the guards and the prisoners. This is the kind of shit that Syrians are trying to get away from. And number five, ISIS is insane. Completely and totally insane. They actually think they're going to actively bring about a religious apocalypse. Millions and millions of people have believed the apocalypse is right around the corner for centuries now, and they've all had one thing in common. They're wrong. And yet thousands more are going to die because of their fanatical beliefs. Man, fundamentalism. How could a word with fun in it be so tragically and completely devoid of any actual fun. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Ah, we did it, time suckers. Episode 27 is in the can. That was an intense one. That was an intense one. Hopefully some of you are still going to tune in for episode 28. I had to have horribly offended at least one of you with that episode. That was a challenging one. But, but I like it, man. Thank you for challenging me, time suckers. I learned so much when you do. I'm sure uh, I made a lot of mistakes, but I, I I now know far more about Islam, Syria, and ISIS than I ever would have if you had not kept uh, pushing me on this project this whole time. So uh, so keep listening, man. So keep on sucking. And uh, tour dates coming up. I'll be at the Jacksonville Comedy Club this weekend in Jacksonville, Florida. We got Cleveland coming up. Going to be at Hilarity's downtown Easter weekend, April 14th through 16th. Punchline in San Francisco, May 10th through 13th. And a couple of Phoenix dates just added. going to be at the Tempe Improv on Thursday and Friday only, April 6th and 7th. Uh, 7th. Going to be working with the dudes from the Crime and Sports podcast. On that one, it's going to be a blast. Uh, by the way, uh, if you are a jihadist, I'm going to be, uh, going to be in Tallahassee uh, for the next three months uh, hiding in a bunker. I'm going to be in a Tallahassee bunker. Uh, I was just kidding about all my tour dates, and that's where you're going to find me. So until next time, uh, enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. Uh, Keep thinking about all the stuff we talk about. Write me if you disagree. Write me if you do agree. Use that timesuckpodcast.com, Amazon button when you do your online shopping. And uh, and go get one of those hot, soft, tight new Time Suck t-shirts. Thanks, Time Suckers. Hey, Mom. First things first. Dot com slash timesuck.